Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, Chuck Swindell told of his being at a pastor's conference. He was actually got a chance where he spoke at a pastor's conference. And the first day he was there, a man approached him and said, I mean, just went off and said how greatly he had looked forward to hearing Dr. Swindell speak. And, and his delight is now finally coming to be able to realize in that desire, Dr. Swindoll, I can't believe this. I've been waiting my whole life to hear you preach. And so that evening, um, uh, Dr. Swindoll noticed that as he was preaching, the man was fast asleep. Only a few minutes into the sermon, he looks over and the guy's asleep. And so Swindoll thought to himself, well, perhaps he was tired after a long day's travel and he got tired and he couldn't help himself. But this continued to happen night after night after night. And Dr. Swindoll soon became very upset in his spirit with this man. Every time he got up to preach, he started preaching, the man would fall asleep. Well, on the last night, the man's wife comes up to him and apologizes for her husband's inattention to the messages. She then explained that he had recently been diagnosed as having terminal cancer and the medication he was, he was taking to ease the pain, well, it made him extremely sleepy. But it had been one of his lifelong ambitions to hear Dr. Swindell speak before he died. And now she said, He had fulfilled that goal. Listen, church, think about this. Based on the illustration, it's easy to fall into the trap of judging others unfairly. You could imagine as he, as someone with such excitement, uh, up to Dr. Swindoll, I can't wait to hear you preach. It's been my life long. I've listened on your radio. Now I get to see you. This is amazing. And as, as Dr. Swindoll begins to preach the message, he looks over and the guy is completely asleep. Okay, we'll give you the first night. But if that happens night after night after night, could you imagine what was going on inside him? Are you kidding me? Only to find out that the medicine he was taking had made him sleep. We judge unfairly, don't we? And the lenses by which we judge, those can be unfairly too, because that reminds me of another story. And this story is about, well, it's about a couple who moves into a brand new neighborhood. And they're unpacking. Next morning, they're sitting having coffee. And and as they're sitting having coffee and eating breakfast, the young woman looks out and she sees her neighbor hanging wash outside. Now, listen, I know that's foreign to some of you because we have what is called a dryer. But back in the day, you used to take your laundry and you'd put it outside, right? And so this neighbor would take her laundry and she'd put it outside. And and this other couple moved in and said, look, look, look what she's doing. She's hanging her laundry and... Then she looks at her husband and she says, you know, the laundry's not very clean. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Perhaps, perhaps she needs better laundry soap. Her husband looked on but remained silent. Every time her neighbor would hang her wash to dry, the young woman would make the same comments. She doesn't know how to wash correctly. Perhaps she needs, what, better laundry soap. It's not very clean. About a month later, the woman was surprised to see how nice and clean the the wash was on the line. And so she looked, and to her amazement, she tells her husband, Look, she's actually learned how to wash correctly. I wonder who taught her this. And her husband looked at her and said, Well, I got up early this morning, and I cleaned our windows. You see, because isn't that how it is with life? What we see when watching others depends on the purity of the window through which which we look. See, if you'll notice the context of this illustration, it really is all about righteous judging or what we call right judging. Or better yet, let's do this, guys, taking the time to examine the lens in which we see through. Many times in our lives, the windows by which we judge are dirty. And yet without, guys, let's be honest, without hesitation or examination, we make comments or we criticize or we unjustly judge others. The windows by which we see are dirty. 
And yet, many times in our lives, we're looking and going, hey, her laundry's dirty. Hey, look at that. Oh, and yet, it's when the windows get clean that we go, oh, my goodness. Guys, as we come to our final verse of this amazing series, we need to remember that Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, is not a standalone verse. A lot of them, people will pull them out and they'll say, hey, let's just, let's just hang about this verse. It's not a standalone verse. You go, well, what is it? Guys, it's a greater part of a teaching that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, had began right around chapter 5. Okay, this is chapter 7, so for two chapters. Now, make a mental note, guys. Back in the day, they didn't have chapters or verses. That's, it was just a letter, and it just continued on. So right around chapter 5, he begins to preach, and he begins to teach, right? And then all of a sudden, he comes right into chapter 7. But chapter 7, verse 1, is not a standalone verse. You go, well, Ben, what is chapter 7 all about? Well, it's about judging, but more importantly, jot this down, it's about right judging for you see we we're not called to judge the world church but we are called to judge christians whoa how's that are you did i just hear you right pastor i i didn't think we were no 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 another word you can use is we're called to inspect fruit we're called to inspect fruit now we will talk about that a little bit later in the context portion of our teaching but first guys let's um Let's make sure that we haven't done what a lot of people have done with this verse. And you go, what's that? Well, they've taken out a context and they use it to berate Christians or to justify their own sinful lifestyle. You guys tracking with me? So a lot of people will go, hey, Matthew 7, 1, and they'll do a couple of things with it. They'll pull it out of context. And when you take it out of context, you make it a pretext and you can say anything you wanted to say. Now, for the sake of our study, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about the practice of kingdom life in relation to judging. And so our captain obvious would be, we got to talk about what is judging? What does it mean to judge somebody? Okay, well, Mr. Webster defines it really simple. Okay, I want to give you a simple definition. Mr. Webster says this, this is what it means to judge. To form an opinion or conclusion about something or give a verdict on someone. So you either you either do what? You either form an opinion, oh yeah, 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 or you come back and you make a conclusion or you actually give a verdict. Guilty! I can't believe this. That's what judging's about, right? And so Jesus says, no, no, there needs you need to rightly judge, but be careful about how you do this. Be careful how you do this. Listen. This verse, it's very interesting because it's been referenced so much by the postmodern church vocabulary where church members will actually chide each other, each other's in the other members and pointing out that someone may not be exhibiting the fruit of the spirit. That's how they judge. They'll just say, Hey, listen, this is how we're going to do this. So. As we approach Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, here's what I want you to jot down, okay? Or you can just write next to your Bible. The heart behind it, guys, is judging rightly. And you go, how? How do we judge right? How do we judge righteous? You ready? By looking at ourselves first before we ever form an opinion or a conclusion about something else. We should always look within first before we ever make a judgment. And you go, why? Well, remember, church, when you take a verse out of context, it becomes a pretext, and that's what has happened to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. So, let's read together. We're just going to look at one verse, and then we'll come back and teach it in context. But notice what he says. Remember, Jesus is speaking. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not so you may not be judged. And I mean, there's seven little words. People will pull it out and they'll use it in such amazing ways. It blows my mind. You go, what do you mean? Well, here's, here's what happens. If you were to pull it out of the, right, if you were to pull it out of context, here's what you may be implying. You go, what's that? You're looking at somebody with this verse and says, hey, please don't judge me because if you judge me, guess what? You're going to, think about it, you don't want to be judged for what you're doing. And if you don't want to be judged for what you're doing, don't judge me. Everybody cool? All right, amen. And that's kind of what we do when we pull it out of context. Don't judge me. I'm cool. You're cool. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, I'm okay. You're okay. Nobody judge nobody. 
That's exactly what we're doing when we pull it up. But oftentimes when I heard it growing up, I heard it like this. Judge not lest you be judged. And a lot of us, I mean, that was the, that was the thing, right? You're doing something and, and, and somebody says something to you, go, hey, judge not lest you be judged. Or we've shortened it, right? We've shortened it so much to when we're doing something and somebody calls us out, what do we say? Don't judge me. Now we just leave it at that. Why? Because the implication is you're going to be judged. Huh? You do the same thing. And so we'll take that off. Now, now listen. Um, let's take a moment, guys. Let's take a moment here to talk about this verse. See, because I believe it can be used and not be used in certain ways. Number one, we use it in a way to bring proof. Bring proof. Proof of what? Proof that a Christian should never try to point out someone else's sin, right? Someone else is sinning. You look at somebody and you go, hey, listen, I'm going to use Matthew 7 once to bring proof that I really shouldn't judge anybody else. Why? Because Jesus said don't judge. So I'm not going to judge. And, and we'll use it that way, right? We'll use it that way. Or I'll tell you another way we use it. You ever hear justification? Right? You go, why? You're doing something that you know is not pleasing to God. And so someone says, hey, bro, I noticed. And you're like, hey, mm-mm, don't judge. You shouldn't judge. Don't, because you don't be judged the same. We use it to justify what we're doing. Right? And that's exactly what we do. We either use it as a proof to go, I shouldn't do this. Or we go, hey, I'm going to use it this way. Well, you go, how does it all tie in? Okay? Well, let's talk about us as Christians first. Okay? A lot of times, people will use this verse as fair game to those unwilling to cast judgment on others. They're going, listen, I don't, here's why I don't use, here's why I don't, I, I pull it out of context. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. At first glance, everyone can easily relate to this, especially Christians. Why? Because we want to try to avoid being labeled a hypocrite. And I'm telling you what, even pastors behind the pulpits will say, guys, stop it. Stop judging each other. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, stop judging, lest you guys be judged. We see that, right? So the key is don't judge unless you want them, or unless you want others to judge you the same way. Now, let me let you on a little secret. If you've been coming to Calvary Chapel any length of time, you've heard me say, guys, listen, don't judge each other, but you need to love each other back to life. Don't judge each other. We're not, God, God is going to be the final judge. And you go, what are you saying? Well, I want you to think about this, okay? I want you to think about this. We're going to look at this in context. I'm going to see how this, how you're going to, how this is just going to come and, and just, and, and just make so much more sense when I say, hey, don't judge, but we're here to call each other back to life. Why? Because we're going to see that we are called to judge, but we're called to judge rightly. How does it work with Christians? Exact same way. I don't, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. How does it work with unbelievers? How does it work with unbelievers? It's the same way. Unbelievers will take this verse, guys. Unbelievers know this verse. Atheists know this verse, and they love this verse. Why? Because they actually use it to counter Christians when, when talking about lifestyle of behavior. They'll be like, hey, why? Well, an example would be like, just say that, that you had an unbeliever, an unbeliever doing something totally off the wall, Right? And a Christian goes, hey, look what you're doing. That's not right. You know what they'll say? They'll say, don't judge me, Christian. I see you doing the same thing, only you're hiding behind your religion. We're all the same, and you act like you're holier than me, but you're not. Remember what Jesus said, don't judge. You see how they pulled it out of context? So this verse seems to be used whenever someone objects, right, to a possibly well-intentioned Christian who points out that a particular behavior is, is or, or practice is sinful. Unbelievers, even professing Christians, are quick to say that Jesus told us we aren't supposed to judge, so we better keep our opinions to ourselves. So think about it, okay? So you have those that go, okay, listen, I'm not going to say, and I'm not going to say anything about your life because, listen, I don't want you to judge me the same way and I don't want to be labeled a hypocrite. And then you have those going, well, don't judge me. Don't judge me because, why? You're going to be judged the same way. And I know you're doing the same thing because none of us are perfect. So don't judge not lest you be judged. And then I go on my sinful way. That's how a lot of people misuse it, right? How? They form an opinion, they criticize, they'll look at, they'll look at everything except context, and all of a sudden, this is what we're doing. Guys, church, let's be honest. We do this a lot based upon appearance. Based upon appearance. 
I heard a story of a pastor one time. He had just gotten um, voted in to take over a new church, and he decided to see how the church would react. So he said he dressed himself up as a homeless man, and he laid down pretty close to the church steps to see what the people would do. And so he was dirty, and they couldn't tell. They didn't know who the new pastor was. And the members would walk in, and many of them kind of scooted around, and, oh, goodness gracious, and they'd walk in. Very few of the church said, oh, let me help you. When church started and they introduced a new pastor, there he came in with his ratted clothes and dirty face, and he said, hi, I'm your new pastor. He wanted to see, guys, if people would form an opinion based upon what? Based upon his appearance, and that's exactly what we do and how we misuse this, right? So how is it misused, Pastor? How is it misused? Well, I found a little story by um, Harry Ironside, and in his book of illustration, he pointed out the folly of judging others. He related the incident in the life of a man called Bishop Potter. Let me tell you the story because it's interesting. Bishop Potter, right? Bishop Potter was sailing for Europe in one of those great transatlantic ocean liners. When he went up on board, he found another passenger who was to share the cabin with him. After going to see the accommodations, he came up to the purser's desk and inquired if he could leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship's safe. He explained that ordinarily he never avail himself of that privilege. But he had been to his cabin and had met the man who would occupy the other berth. Judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person. The purser accepted the responsibility for the values and remarked, It's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. The other man has been up here and has left his for the same reason. See, guys, that's, that's judging. That's judging. That's misusing it. That's saying, hey, look. Now, oftentimes, people will use this verse to justify a behavior when someone questions you about your behavior. So what we have to do, guys, is we have to take a few moments to understand what this verse is all about in context. In context. It was F.B. Meyer who once said, I believe once, he said, when we see a brother and sister in sin, there are two things that we do not know. You ready? Number one, he says, we don't know how hard he or she tried not to sin. He said, and second, we do not know the power of the forces that assailed him or her. We also do not know that we would have, what we would have done in the same circumstances. So what are we talking about? In the text that we're going to look at now, guys, remember, jot this down if you're taking note. It's judging rightly. It's judging rightly. You'll have, you'll have well-meaning people come and say, hey, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. But literally, we're called to judge. How so? Well, let's do some work. You guys ready? Let's look at it in context, okay? In order to grasp what Jesus is teaching, we need to go back and we need to do a little bit of work. It starts around chapter 5 of Matthew, okay? And it starts as a dialogue concerning, you already dropped this down, the picture of kingdom life. Jesus is now going to describe what it means to really be a Christian. He's going to talk about kingdom life. Now, he's going to talk about it in the context of a Jewish heritage, but understand he's still talking about kingdom life, and this is where we can grasp some application. Now, for the sake of our study, I can't go from chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7, but let me just kind of give you an overview. Chapter 5, 1 through 16, you know this church, he's talking about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those, and blessed are those, and blessed, and he's talking about that, right? And then right about halfway in that chapter, he's going to say, okay, so that was the what? That was the picture, those were the picture of the kingdom life. Now let me give you the precepts. He's going to give us the precepts of kingdom life. You go, how so? Well, from 5 to all the way chapter 6, he's going to talk about the law of Moses, He's going to say, okay, now remember, we're going to go back and I'm going to bring out Old Testament so you guys understand who Jesus is, who I am is what he's talking about. Then he's going to talk about the law of murder. And isn't that good, church? Why? Because, I mean, think about it. If we didn't have a law of murder, what would we be doing? We'd be murdering people. So I really like that one. He talks about the law of reconciliation. He'll even come back and he said, now listen, when it talks about precepts of kingdom life, he's going to talk about adultery. 
He's going to talk about divorce. He's going to talk about oaths. He's going to talk about the law of non-resistance. And then he's going to talk about the law of love. All of these are known as the precepts of kingdom life. You with me? Then in chapter 6, he says, okay, you all know about the precepts of kingdom life. Now let's talk about the practice of kingdom life. Now I need to stop right there because this is a very important point. Okay, as Jesus is preaching, what's the first thing he talks about? He talks about the precepts of kingdom life before he ever gets to the practice. Why is that important? Well, guys, if you ever go through any of the New Testament, you realize that that's actually how Paul wrote. Paul, even even in the book of Romans, what does he do? He gives us the principles of salvation before he ever gives us the practicals. Why? Here's why. Listen to me. This is important, okay? When we get those mixed up, all of a sudden we're over here and we're practicing Christians, but all it is is behavior modification with a heart that hasn't been transformed. And then you're wondering, you're going, okay, so I know how to say hallelujah and how to raise my hand. I know how to do good things because I've learned them because I understand the practices of Christian life, but I've never really understood the precepts and so my heart has never been transformed. And so you've got a lot of people who are being good Christians, but all it is is behavior modification. And so what the Word of God always says, he says, listen, do you understand, first and foremost, you've got to look at your heart and make sure that it's born again. You've got to make sure that you are actually transformed. And when you're transformed, once you get that, then you can easily move naturally into the practices of kingdom life. It's not real hard. Why? Because now you're living for Jesus. And when he says, hey, be obedient, you're like, Amen. But when it's opposite, then you're over here going, oh, I'm struggling. Why? Because I'm trying to be a good Christian and it's really, really hard. And, ah, you know, I really sinned today. What did you do? Well, there was a car and it got in front of me and I stuck out my tongue. You stuck out? Yeah, I went, "Mm." I went like that. You did that? Yeah, it's hard being a Christian. You see? Because why? Because any little thing we do, we're trying to modify it. Guys, this is for somebody here. Listen, you're trying to modify your behavior so God looks down in you and likes you. And that's not Christianity. Why? Because Jesus gives us the precepts. He says, understand, salvation comes first. A heart that's transformed through the cross of Christ. You go, okay, I want that. I want that first. And when that comes in and when God does his amazing work, then the behavior comes and you're like, well, what behavior? Well, let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about it because chapter 6 deals with the practice of kingdom life. You know where Jesus starts? You ready? He starts with giving. I knew this was going to be one of them. Then pastor's going to ask for an offering. No, no, no. Here's the thing. The first thing that should happen, guys, is we should have a giving heart. And he's not talking about money. Although he is going to talk about money, but we should, we should be generous people. Why? We realize what we have. Well, what should I give? You should give of your time, your talent, your resources. You should be givers. Well, pastor, I got a question. Do I have to give to this church? No, no, no. That's what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being sensitive. Now you're a believer and there you are and you're walking down the grocery aisle and God knocks on your heart. He says, Hey, I want you to buy a bag of groceries for that person over there. What? I got a budget. I want you. To, okay, God. We should be givers, right? We should be generous. Man, yeah. Oh, uh, I know this sounds weird, but God wants me to give you these groceries. And the girl and the lady's crying going, you know what? I needed these things and I didn't have enough money. God really loves me. And then you walk away and how do you feel? Oh, I should just listen to God. Why? He talks about giving, right? And let me say this to us, guys. Let me, let me just ask you this. Your money, whose money is it really? Some of you are like, it's my money. No, no, no. Let me try this again. The money you make, the paycheck, whose money is that? It's God's money. It's all God's money, right? And here's my point. There should be no disconnect between our heart and our wallet. God, <laughs> this is amazing. This is amazing. Why? Because you're doing great things. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. It was last Saturday. I went to check the mailbox, right? I went to check the mailbox. Got, a, got this handwritten letter. And I'm like looking at this letter. And, and here's the thing, guys. He, this, here's a, here is a, here's an inmate who's, who's locked up in Amarillo. And he's heard our radio program called In Christ. 
And he says, and I don't get to listen to it every day. I have, I have family in Lubbock. And long, long story short, guess what he says? He says, now he's serving the Lord and he's listening thanks to the, thanks to the radio program. Thanks to In Christ Radio by Grace. Sends me a letter. Guys, that's you. You realize that? We share in all of this? Why? Because when you give, that's where it goes to get the gospel out there. I mean, it's just like, wow. So guess what? We got a letter that God is doing great things. God is doing great. It's all of us. We're in this together. Every bit of us. And so Jesus says, okay, part of that is starting with giving. He goes, what else? Then he goes into prayer. He says, Let me, let's talk about the practice of in relation to prayer. How's your prayer life? And he teaches us to pray. And there's so many things about prayer. And then he says, now, let's talk about fasting. And that's something that's not brought up in the church a whole lot anymore. Fasting is like, okay, so what does that mean? Well, listen, let me ask you this, guys. When it comes to fasting, what's the first thing that come to mind? Food, right? We're going we're gonna, to, but there's a lot of things that we can fast from. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw an ad the other day that, that uh, it's called a phone safe, a book safe. And you actually open it up and you have to put your phone in there and you lock it and you close it up. And then when you're having a conversation, you can't get to your phone. That's how bad we've gotten with our phones. We don't talk to anybody anymore. How about we take a moment to fast from our phone? I'm guilty. Trust me, I'm not. This isn't, you know, I mean, this is all of us. Let's just take a moment to go, no, I want to be here in the conversation. It's even gotten so bad, they made you get one where you have, you could have your phone on your, on your wrist. So we got to be careful. So it's food, fasting. He goes, what else does he talk about? He talks about money. Money. And then he goes on and he talks about worry and anxiety. Anybody know anything about that? Anybody know anything about worry? Any of you have the gift of worry? You know what I'm talking about? It's like a gift. You know what I'm saying? It's like most people go, I don't worry. And other people are like, I have that gift. What are you worried about? I'm worried about the gift. I'm just, I don't know. Jesus talks about that. Now I don't have a chance to go into that, but then guess what? So he's talked about what? He's talked about giving, praying, fasting, money, worry, and then he comes to chapter 7. Then he comes to chapter 7. Guess, same thought process, right? Have you ever been in a conversation and it's the same thought and then you stop and go, now, right? He's, it's the same thought. Jesus is still preaching the same message. And so he comes into what? He leaves worry and anxiety. And now he comes into judging, judging, right? And so we're still in the practice of kingdom life in relation to judging. So verse 1 is all part of verse 5, 1 through 5, and that Jesus is going to teach us on judging. So let's read it together, guys. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Jesus says, Judge not that you may not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now look at verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank in your own eye? Hypocrite! First move, remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Everybody see that? Okay, so at Calvary Chapel, Pastor Ben gets up and says, guys, don't judge each other. Love each other back to life. How do we do that? How do we do that? Based upon the scripture, it clearly indicates that you've got a brother with a problem. What's his problem? He's got a speck in his eye. You ever get a dust? You ever do something, you get a dust, something in your eye, you're just like, ah, oh, I got something in my eye. We can see that there's definitely a problem. You guys tracking with me? So our job is to do what? How do we love people back to life? Well, if we were just to judge them, we'd go, dude, you got a speck in your eye. I can't believe that. Wow. You always walk around with that speck or what? Really? You know what happens when you have a speck in your eye? You're not even saved. Yeah, that's judging. You know what I'm saying? Or part of judging is going, man, I don't know where. Did you grow up with that speck or what? What's going on? I mean, whatever it might be. Why? Because we've, we've all got mess ups, right? Here's where it says where we love people back to life. We don't judge them. We love them back to life. How? You know how you love? Look what he said. He said, first, do a heart examination. He says, first, take the plank. A big, 
plank, a big two by four. He says, first take that out, and then you're able to see clearly. And that's what we need to do. When you love somebody back to life, guys, when you love somebody back to life, the first thing you do is you, you examine your heart. God, where am I? I've got a brother who's hurting. I've got a brother who's, who's getting ready to walk off the edge of the cliff, and, and I just I need to make sure I'm okay before I approach him. Why? Because your brother's got a speck. And with a speck, he might be going like this just a little bit. But you got a plank. And you know what happens when you have a plank? You're hitting everybody in sight. Right? You got a big old, you got a big old two by four and you're like, what? Boom. And you hit your wife. You're like, did your kid say something? Boom. And you're knocking everybody around. Why? Because you didn't take the time. And that's what we do in the church. That's what we do in the church. We say, when we start judging somebody and we haven't taken the time to examine our own hearts so that we can judge rightly, here's what we do. We hurt everybody in sight. We start hitting each other with this big old plank. And that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, be careful that you're not just judging people hypocritically or self-righteous. Oh, pastor, I got a question. So here's what you're saying. You're telling me that based upon the practice of kingdom life, Jesus says it's okay to judge. It's okay to judge when you do what first? When you do a hard examination first, you look at your heart, you make sure, and then here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You ready? I've got a plank in my eye. I've got a plank in my eye. I need to go to those that I trust to, to, to see these things that I can't see. Well, why can't you see them? I've got a plank in my eye. Aren't you paying attention? Come on. I've got a plank right here, and so guess what? I go to those, and somebody says, hey, Pastor Ben, um, you've got a plank. What's the first thing we do when somebody questions our behavior well i'll show you a plank you have a plank you have two planks as a matter of fact you're full of i mean that's what we do right what's the first thing we do let's be honest we get defensive that is our that is our go-to we get we all get defensive right your husband husband and wife at home and husband walks in looks at his wife and says baby what have you been doing all day oh oh right defensive you want to and we get defensive, okay? We have to be careful, guys, because you need to allow those people into your lives that you trust so that he can say, hey, I love you. You've got a plank. I do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because here's what we do. We get defensive, and then we, and then we go on the offense. And then, and then we start gossiping. We start telling other people, you know what? You know what? You know what he said? He said, I had a plank in my eye. I'll tell you what. I've seen him do some crazy stuff. You don't know about it, but I'll tell you. And we go on the offense because we're hurt, because we don't realize that we have a plank. So the first thing is to do that. Now, listen. Listen. You guys, jot this down. This is going to be good for some of you, okay? Communication. Communication. You will either listen to respond or you will listen to learn. When it comes to communication, you will either listen to respond or you will listen to learn. And let me say this. If you are newly married or you're planning on getting married or you've been married for 50 years, this all applies to you. You go, what's that? It's the same way, guys. It's the same way. When it comes to communication, make sure before you have a conversation with your husband or your wife, you first do a self-examination. Where am I? I want to make sure. Because what happens is that, guys, then we get in fights and we don't fight fair. And when you don't fight fair, you go to bed mad and then you don't talk for three days. And we call it marriage. You've got to do the same thing. Now, listen, this is good practical stuff because there may be something that your husband did or your wife did that that's a speck. But if you don't take the time to learn what Jesus taught us and go, okay, I need to talk about this. We use the word judge, but let's, we're going to talk about this. And so I need to examine my heart first. God, where am I? This Have I done this to her? Have I done this to him? And, and where is show me? Show me. And, and, and another word we use is, is, is show me my blind spots. Show me my blind spots. Because I can't, I can't see what, what other people see. 
And so all of a sudden, you're like, oh, wow, okay. And so when you approach that, how do you approach it, guys? You approach it with humility, and you approach it with grace, and you're not so con- condemning. Oh, you did this, and you did this, and I can't believe this, and I can't do that, and, and, and watch out, you know? And we, we just go, okay, okay. When your boss has a talk to you, has a talk with you, do you listen to respond quickly? Or do you listen so that you can learn? Guys, as believers, we need to step back and we go, God, is this really true? Because I want to learn to grow. I, w- I want to listen to grow. I want to I grow from this. I want to grow from this. It's all about attitude. It's all about, let, look, no, notice he says, he says, now, it, why, do you, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? And you say to your brother, let me remove the speck. And look, you've got a plank on your own eye. He says, you're a hypocrite. He says, here's what you need to do. Ready? Here's the remedy. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will clearly, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So what is Jesus saying? He, he's talking about rightly judging. He's talking about fruit inspection. Why? Because it's clear to us that there's a speck in your brother's eye. So, Pastor, are you telling me that we, we can judge? We can? Yeah, now, now, listen, listen. Notice that the point of Jesus' teaching here is that we're not to be self-righteous or hypocritical in our judgment. You know, for example, if, if I were an alcoholic, I, then I have no business telling somebody else, you shouldn't be an alcoholic. That's what? That's hypocritical. However, if I don't have a plank in my eye, then I can see clearly to remove the speck from my brother's eye. In other words, if I'm living a godly life, then I can be in a position where I can properly point out sin in another person's life. Now, I didn't say a perfect life, guys. I didn't say, oh, I'm perfect. And I, I say, and if, we're, if we're really trying hard to, under the power of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to live godly, I think it's important for us, why? To go ahead and point out the speck in your brother's or your sister's eye. And you go, why? Because let me illustrate it this way. If you were walking home, uh, Someday, and you just noticed there was a smoke, and, and your next door neighbor's house was on fire, and you knew people were there. Your job is to do what? You're going to run in and try to save people from burning. Well, you realize that the speck could, your brother could be on his way off a cliff, and, and you, ah, I can't, I can't judge him. But if you're living a godly life, you can go, oh, brother, please, listen, listen. Come here, come here. Listen, in humility, I know where you're going. Church, we need to have those people that we can, can pour into our lives or else, guess what? We're never going to grow. We have to have people that pour into our lives and say, I love you enough to tell you the truth without getting defensive. Oh, we have to go, really? You, you see that in my life? Think about it. You see, guys, listen. There are several problems with shining this verse as proof that a Christian should never judge or never point out in someone's life. How so? Well, jot this down. You see, first and foremost, later on in this chapter, Jesus said, he said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. He says, by their fruit, you will know them. Matthew, over in verse 15. So here's the question. How can you possibly know who a false prophet is unless you make right judgments about their fruits? You go, what are you talking about? About their teachings, about their actions. Obviously, church, we must make judgments in these cases. So we need to be inspecting fruit. Let me ask you this. What if you had a friend, and some of us have had, we've had friends that call themselves Christians, but they live far from the Bible. Hey, you want to go here? You want to go, let's go do this. I'm a Christian like you. If you're not judging their actions and their what? And the fruit and their teachings, all of this stuff, guess what? We do that. We go, oh, you know what? Her, her or his walk doesn't really match up with the talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off on that. That's the first one. The second one, guys, Jesus and his apostles demonstrated numerous occasions throughout the Bible that they make judgments on sinful behavior. Do you guys remember, do you remember the woman who was caught in adultery and they bring her to her? Do you remember that? Jesus showed mercy to her, but then he said to her what? Go 
and sin no more. You know, could you imagine? Here's the woman. Lord, we caught her in, in the act, the very act. There she is with no clothes, whatever it might be. And she's right in front of Jesus. And Jesus is like, woman. And what does she say? Judge not, lest you be judged, Lord. She would never say that, right? And Jesus never, he just said, look, where are your accusers? Nowhere to be found. He says, go and sin no more. Repent. You go, what else? Well, do you guys remember Simon the sorcerer? Back in um, uh, Acts chapter 8, you guys what happened? He, he thought he could buy the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And Peter said to him, whoa, 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 you think you can buy the Holy Spirit with money? He says, no, 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 listen, your money perished with you, dude, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money, and you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. That is righteous judgment, Right? That's righteous judgment. Think about, you guys remember in our Galatians study that, that Paul, Paul publicly rebuked Peter for leading people astray when he was slipping back into the form of legal. I mean, this is Peter. Peter was like, and then Peter started eating with the Jews and was like, I don't like y'all Gentiles. And, Pete, and Paul comes up, he's like, dude, seriously, you can't do this. This is gonna, this is gonna be detrimental. You see the righteous judgment? How does all this take place? It takes place by first examining yourself, making sure. Paul, Jesus, they all live that righteous life. Third, think about this. You ready? Notice the absolute hypocrisy of a person who tells you not to judge. Why? Well, what did they just do when they told you not to judge? They just judged you, right? They made a judgment that what you were doing was wrong. Don't judge me. And they went ahead and hypocritically told you that you shouldn't ever tell people that they are wrong. Pastor, are we supposed to judge? Based on the context, what are we supposed to do? The judgment we use, the first thing we have to do, guys, as we close this message is really simple. The first thing we do is we need to judge ourselves first. Confess those things Live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. And then, guess what? And then you're able to go, oh, okay. And I'm able to, I'm able to go and I'm able to say, hey, hey, bro, you, there's a speck in your eye and I'm worried about you. And I'm doing this because I love you and I'm doing this because I don't want to see, I don't want to see your marriage ruined and I don't want to see your life ruined and I don't want to see you get fired. I love you, man. And I know this, I, you know how I know this can happen? Because it's happened to me. How does it happen? It's really simple, guys. Sometimes we just take a brother out or a sister out for a cup of coffee and we just share our heart. They'll receive it if it's done in humility. They'll receive it, right? So we are. We're supposed to what? We're supposed to judge righteously in an effort to help and restore a brother. You know, the Bible calls us fruit inspectors, but let me ask you this. Who are we supposed to inspect first? Ourselves. Ourselves. And make sure you don't have a plank in your eye. Make sure you don't have a plank in your eye. Oh, pastor, I've got a plank in my eye, man. Well, that's where you confess it and you say, I need to get it out. I need to get it out. I need to get it out. That's when you ask someone you trust to examine your life. Hey, look at my life. What do you see? Oh, you see a plank. Okay. Okay. Then in humility, you come and you talk to your brother. You see, the Bible tells us, guys, in Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, it says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest ye be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. What is Jesus telling us with this verse, guys? He's saying, listen, guys, when you see a brother and he's got a speck, Check your heart. 
Check your heart. Okay. Okay. And then restore him back to the place. That's the whole point, right? When we say love people back to life, we want to restore them to a walk where they were before. He says, be careful. Be careful because you may have taken the plank out of your eye, but you still, you still can be tempted to put that speck in your eye too. He says, be careful lest you be tempted. The second point. <clears throat> what about when the world is, is going nuts? What are, what's our responsibility? You know what it is? We're not called to judge the world. You know what we're called to do with the world? We're called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. You guys tracking with me? So, Pastor, I get to I get to preach. No, no, no. Let me say this. In context of the sermon, did you know that your life and your behavior preaches a lot more volumes than your words? And you go, why? Because when you're practicing self-examination, when you're looking deep in your heart and God, where am I? Because I really want to serve you. People will see it. When you're approaching your coworkers with humility and you're approaching your boss with humility and you're, and I mean, people are going to be like, that's going to speak volumes of the gospel. Why? Church, listen, because the world may be doing what they're doing, but they're looking at you. They're looking at your life. And, and, and what we want them to do is we want them to look so at our lives that they go, I want what you have. <laughs> what is it? You, you, the boss came down hard on all of us, and you, you were gracious, and you smiled, and you received it, and you grew from it, and I got mad, and I went home and told my wife, oh, and then you're able to preach Jesus. Hey, guess what? Listen, I have a relationship. Oh, you're religious? No, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with God. Tell me more about this God. Tell me more about this God. Because church, listen, listen, honestly. See, see, here's my thought, right? Here's my thought. Listen. When Jesus is speaking, he's, he's talking about what? He's talking about the practice of kingdom life. But if you haven't even got the precept of kingdom life, for me to encourage you would just be behavior modification unless, unless you're born again. So if you're here today, and let me just say this to you. If you're here today and you've got a plank in your eye, you go, Pastor, what do you mean by that? You're not walking with Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to God. You've never opened up your heart. You never invited him aside. But today you've got a plank and you go, Pastor, I want this plank out. How do I do this? You can come back to God really simple. You see, the devil right now is saying God's mad at you. And I'm telling you, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. But you've got to say yes to him. You've got to say yes to him. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in just a moment. And then we'll get you out of here. Father, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you for all that you're doing here. Thank you for our series and we look forward to what you're going to do. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, maybe you're here today and the Holy Spirit was was sort of pricking your heart, and you're saying, yes, Pastor, I want to I be right with God. I want to be right with God. I want to surrender my life to him. If you have never done that, if you've never made a public confession that you're going to follow Jesus and you want to do that now, I want to pray for you. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your heart to God. How, Pastor, what do I need to do? I'm just going to ask you to simply raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Why do I have to raise my hand? Here's why. Listen, because I want God to see your heart. If you're here today and you're backslidden, you've walked away from God, he's not, he's not, he's not your all in all anymore, but, but you're saying you're feeling, the, you're feeling the 
angst, the Holy Spirit to, to come back, I want to pray for you too. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you say, Pastor, pray for me? Just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Say, I want, I'm ready to receive the Lord. God bless you, sister. God bless you to my left here. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just, you're just ready to surrender right now. Today's your day. You want to publicly confess Jesus. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. Father, I lift up these hands that were raised, and I pray, God, you would do an incredible work. Lord Jesus, that you are amazing and wonderful. If you want to make a public confession for Jesus, will you pray this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin, and I love you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you resurrected, and you are now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I'm asking you to forgive me of everything I've ever done. I'm yours. I'm all in. I'm asking Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord, my God, my Savior, my friend. I choose this day, God, I'm going to follow you forever because I love you, Lord. Help me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.